0: Welcome back to another episode of Sugar Kiss Angel Hill, where my swan is, is, ugh. you know what? I'm not really in the mood to make swan jokes this week. It just seems really fucking bad taste if you ask me. I mean, people have died. I'm supposed to make swan jokes? No, okay, no. I fucking refuse. Anyway, <clears throat> it's been a week since flames engulfed the Batter's tooth and the denizens of this little Irish hamlet are still dealing with the aftershocks. Worst of all, the poor little Miss Lorraine Faulkner, who, ever since losing her darling son, Shamie in the blaze, has spent the week sitting in her bedroom, not even moving to eat or sleep. Her only company has been Shamie's graphically interesting posters adorning his bedroom walls. We turn first to Breda and Seamus Faulkner, who are wondering what to do.
1: Dad, can, can we do something?
2: Breda. I know you're worried but your mother's just had an awful shock now it's been a heavy thing for all of us God rest our shamey soul it'll take time for her us to get back to normal well the new normal
3: I get that but shouldn't she be eating or talking or like moving anything I thought I saw her move a few days ago she hasn't moved from his pillow since we got back from his funeral.
2: I know. I wish. Thinking, I guess. Why don't we try again?
1: Okay. Mum? Mum? I've made your breakfast.
4: It's your
2: favourite scrambled eggs and toast. Uh, and R- Ronan Collins is playing a bit of Marvin Gaye on the radio. We've had our first dance to him, remember, love?
0: Lorraine (laughs) stared at the wall, oblivious to Seamus and Breda. Nothing existed except for the torn faces of Fallout Boy and the 1975 staring back at her. As Seamus and Breda decided to give up and admit defeat for yet another mealtime, the doorbell rang. Seamus Faulkner bumbled down their carpeted staircase to open the front door. Standing outside in the cold was Peggy Marshall, Sugar Angel Hill's answer to the Godfather, and Miss Emily Clare, local primary teacher and girlfriend to the late Seamie Faulkner, God fucking rest his soul.
2: Peggy, Miss Clare, what are you two doing here? It's ten o'clock in the morning!
5: Well, hello and good morning to you too Seamus. Isn't a landlady entitled to drop in on her tenants and see how they're getting on? Especially in such trying times as these.
2: How kind.
5: The kindest. Look, Seamus, you and I both know that you weren't the only person Laurie spilt the beans with. I have rights. And Emily wanted to come too, and we're the only family in this shithole that has an adapted car. I even brought you a casserole. Sausages and all. Apologies if it's shit. Doug does the cooking and he made it, but, well, he's been out of sorts recently. Crying into the casserole, for God's sake. Mr Faulkner, I just wanted to pay my respects to Jamie.
0: God rest his soul. He was a good man.
2: Fine, fine, come in. I suppose I can't stop you.
0: Peggy Marshall wandered nonchalantly into the house, dumping the casserole onto the first side table in her path, Despite Seamus's reservations about her husband Doug, even though they were the best of drinking buddies, he couldn't deny that that pig knew how to cook. The smell from the casserole... The the smell from the casserole rofted through the corridor and... Oh, Jesus, I can get a whiff of it now from here. Fuck. God, it's divine, actually. Please, someone get the recipe off him and fax it to me. Peggy and Miss Clare went upstairs to see Lorraine. Peggy was taken aback to find her first love huddled in a corner, motionless. Emily began to cry when she saw the Norton Anthology of Literature on Shamie's desk, bookmarked on a page about pathetic fallacy.
5: Oh, Shamie! Lorraine? Lorraine, it's me, Peggy. Lorraine, what the hell is wrong with her?
1: I'm... She's been like that for a week now. I mean, she's not eating, she's
2: not sleeping, she... Why not... haven't you called an ambulance? Look at her! Well, we were just thinking that, you yes, know... What's there to think about?
3: Your wife needs help now! Emily's right. Lorraine's not right. At all. I'll call an ambulance. I have them on speed dial. Why? Never you mind why!
0: Just like that, the piercing sound of sirens burst through the air. Wow, that was quick. Breda ran to the door, but was confronted by two Gardi, who were doing their very best to look intimidating. Garda Gallagher and Garda McGrorty, Sugar Sugarcass Angel Hill's finest people.
6: Excuse me, is this number 17? Er, uh, y- yes. Can I help you?
7: You see? See, I told you it was number 17, didn't I?
6: Oh, go boil your head. May we come in? Dad! Dad!
1: There's Garda at the door!
2: Go on, let them in, Breda
7: Are you Mr. Seamus Foster?
2: Yes, I am. Um, How can I help you?
6: Son of a... Not yet, Gallagher. What my colleague means to say is that we are investigating the fire that burnt down the badger's tooth, and we'd like to ask you some questions. Okay. Lovely stuff. This is our uh, our very first case, so we really do need all the help we can get. Granny lit a
7: candle for me in mass this morning, so she did.
8: <laughs>
6: right.
7: Were you down at the Badger's Tooth Wednesday six weeks ago?
2: I'm there most nights, but yes, god, I must have been tasting wine for Wednesday. Red, white or rosé, or something along those lines, yes.
7: And were you asked to check the electrics?
2: Oh yes, Diana said she'd give me a pint of Guinness on the house if I did.
6: And your it. Of course. Yeah, absolute. Oh. amadon. Why didn't you do it for a glass of nice young Blanc? McGrarty! Quiet. Now, are you
7: a registered electrician, Mr Faulkner?
2: Ha! No! Obviously not. I mean, I dabble in it now. I'm a handyman, I suppose. What's this all about? Okey-dokey.
6: Well, I think that's everything we need. Care to confer,
9: Gallagher?
0: the two guardy awkwardly huddled in the corner raising their eyebrows and pretending to whisper finally they turned back towards Seamus
6: you're under arrest What? there's no point being cute about it the evidence there is there now in black and in white dodgy electrics cause flames
7: my friend and you just told us you'd been tinkering with the wires simple See? You'd only have to use the little grey sills and the case cracks wide open. Please! My beautiful face wouldn't do well in
2: prison! I'm innocent!
7: Seamus Faulkner, I am arresting you under suspicion of involuntary manslaughter. You do not have to say anything
6: but... Oh you- Jesus, get on with that Gallagher! This is the son of a bitch that went and killed Betty Butterdish! You absolute monster! Betty was an angel. Oh, she was. I remember she used to give us short bread every Friday afternoon just the way my mammy used to make us. If it wasn't for
7: her, I don't think I would have been able to repeat basic training five times. She was my
2: rock, so she was.
3: Dad, no, you can't take him.
2: No, I didn't do it. I swear I'm innocent.
7: Hands behind your back, please, Mr. Faulkner.
2: But it wasn't me, the electrics, that caused the fire, was it? There must have been foul play. I'm no electrician, but I'm not that bad.
6: It looks like the electrics will cause the most of that damage, Mr. Faulkner. You'll have to come with us. Dad, please, I can't
3: lose you too.
2: Dry your eyes, it'll be okay, Brida. Just look after your mother for me, will you? In the midst of all the chaos,
0: Lorraine began to twitch.
5: Francis? Francis? Lorraine, it's me. It's Peggy. Peggy, where's Francis? Lorraine, listen to me. Seamus, your husband, he's been arrested for starting the fire. Lorraine?
10: I, I lost a child, another child. My Shamie, my baby boy. But Seamus! But Peggy, only one thing matters to me now, and it's him. The reason I came to this wretched country backwater in the first place. Where is my son, Peggy Marshall? Where is Francis? Answer me fucking that. Later, Lorraine. We'll we'll talk later. Dad! Brita, please stop blubbering. He deserves it. Mum. There's more important things to be worrying about than that brute of a man. Whilst I slaved away to make this house a home, he did fuck all other than fart and piss himself in his sleep. I'd rather he died than my shamey. And if he did start that fire, he'd get rot in hell. mum
1: She's in shock, Breda. It's going to be okay. Peggy, I think you can cancel that ambulance. Right, Breda, get your mouth some tea, will you? Lorraine, I think we should have a shower, don't you? Get yourself fresh and
10: clean for the <laughs> memorial later. I don't want to. I want to see Francis. I want to see my son. Jamie's gone. Mrs Faulkner, I want to see him too. So much, it makes me hurt,
1: but we have to try
5: and move on. <laughs> Come on, up you get. Right, I'll talk to my solicitor, Albert. He might be able to help us. We don't need his help. Laura, you don't mean any of this. Emily, take her to the shower and I'll call the solicitor. Go.
0: And so it was that Seamus Faulkner was pulled out of the house by two gardee, who were pleased as punch that they had solved their first case, even if they were woefully, and I mean woefully, mistaken. But what about Lorraine, eh? Her own husband is arrested and she doesn't even bat an eyelid. Fishy. Meanwhile, over in the Sentra, Winter was sitting alone quietly shivering in the nipple-hardening cold. The familiar smell of day-old baguettes, burnt coffee and plastic-adjacent packaging was replaced with a scent that had never graced the centre before. Fresh air. The doors and windows were now kept permanently open, and Winter always had a ladder propped up beside her. She was going over her emergency exit plan for the 56th time when Padraig Marshall walked in looking for milk, a share-sized Cadbury's bar, and something to fill the hole in his heart.
11: Oh, Porig, hello. I haven't seen you around here in a bit. Is there anything I can get you? Porrig?
0: Podrig ignored Winter as he headed straight for the dairy aisle. Low fat or whole milk? It's been a bad enough week, he thought. His Libra Mars acted for him, reaching out and grabbing the full fat before he could think twice. Christ, whole
11: milk! That's unlike you, Porik. What with your yoga and tai chi, I always thought of you as a semi-skimmed kind of guy. Things can't be getting any better. I'm so sorry about Madge and Vane too. I knew you were all close. That'll be 2.20 there. Is that why you're not speaking, dear? You know, if you want someone to talk to, I... I've lost people too. Receipt?
12: The only receipt I want is from Venus. I wished I'd never been in love, Winter. It hurts too much, dare I say. I wish... I wish I was a Capricorn. (gasps) Surely you don't mean that, Borey. I do, Winter. I do mean it. Saturn can have me. I've nothing left to give.
0: Receipt-less, Podrig left without another cryptic word, almost bumping into the beastly brothers... No, the... <clears throat> the troublesome twosome... The prankish pair? I'm sorry, it doesn't feel right anymore. <clears throat> Ushin and Thion have had an, a tough enough time as it is. After meeting Lorraine on the hill, they had gone back to Fiona's house, thinking maybe she'd secretly be okay. Thinking maybe she would walk in. The poor boys were surprisingly loyal fans of Grey's Anatomy and had a flawed sense of human mortality. Oh wait, I've got it! The Morning Mates. Well, the Morning Mates had run out of food and had come to Sentra to beg for scraps. Hi, missus. There
11: you are. I've almost overstocked on Calippo's without your weekly shop. Don't even get me started on the pick and mix. What will it be today, boys? The usual? Sixteen Calippos? Five packets of Chewett's? Well, that depends. On what?
13: On whether you take flattery as payment.
11: If you don't have any money, then why did you even walk in here? You know I can't give out free food to people that need it. I'm not a socialist. I'm an advocate of capitalist reform, really.
10: Please, miss, we'll pay you back. Like, we're not even messing this time.
14: Yeah, them Robin Days are behind us. Also, socialism
13: is actually a really complex concept that I think you could really get into if you knew about it. Like, it's actually a big gas.
10: Yeah, there's this fella called Karl Marx. He's a legend.
11: How did you...
13: Fiona has a few books lying around at the house, but, but please, miss, we really don't have anything. Fiona was taking care of us, and with her not coming home... We're in real trouble.
11: You mean to tell me you're staying in Fiona Marsh's house? Just the two of you? Boys, that's irresponsible! You're kids! It's also
10: not your house. But, but what if Fiona comes back?
11: Oh, boys. Y- you know she's not coming back, don't you? Well, that's
10: what they've said about Napoleon in 1813. What? What? A twice-orphan boy can't read? This is the twenty-twentieth century, miss.
13: Yeah, do you smell that, Ushing? This whole place reeks of classism.
11: Okay, okay, fine. We can take a penners' worth of stuff, but this is a one-time-only thing, are we clear?
13: Thanks, miss.
0: Yeah, thanks, miss. We'll make it up to you, we promise. And with the newfound information that Fionn and Usheen had surprisingly an active interest in 19th-century European history, Winter began to question her own internalised prejudice, just as she noticed her newest customer, me.
11: Matthew! You're home!
0: Hello, Winter. You're looking sexy as ever.
11: Oh, stop it! You can't be flirting right now, Matthew. Half the town's just died in a fire. (laughs)
0: Well, they aren't the only people sizzling.
11: You always were a charmer. I read your latest book. God, it was sexy, Matthew. (laughs) God, how do you think up with that stuff? So erotic and everything.
0: Ah, you know me, Winter. Sex on the mind and everything.
11: <laughs> oh, God, yeah, I remember. <laughs> I can't wait for the next in the series. I order them with The Bookshop in Salt Spit Devil. And the lady looks at me funny and she says, what's a fine girl like you doing reading smut like this? <laughs> but I don't think it's smut, Matthew. I think it's art. Honestly, the Sexy Sally series is so relatable and, oh my god, I'm babbling.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you're a fan, Winter, but uh, listen, uh, I need a favour.
11: Oh, well, you can't expect me to just fall at your feet every time you look in my direction, you gorgeous scoundrel.
0: If you don't want to help, that's okay. I mean, I can always ask...
11: Um... All right, fine. Stop begging. <laughs> I'll help. What'll it be? Long walk on the beach? Candlelit dinner?
0: I need to get to Betty's place. I got a letter from her last week with some instructions regarding what to do if she passes. Do you know she kept diaries? 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 No.
11: I always thought she scribbled in her notebook, waiting for the optimal time to spout convenient exposition.
0: What? What? Anyway, uh, she told me to read them. Can you help me get to them?
11: Ah, Betty. Mad for the goss, even after death. (laughs) Give me a few minutes to close up the shop.
0: And that's how I caught up with my childhood sweetheart, Winter. Puberty was... Well, it was confusing for a guy like me. Anyway, uh, on the other side of town, what, wait, what? What? So, what the fuck is happening? I can't. No, I, I, I can't write it anymore. My, my, my ancient, gorgeous typewriter—it's fuck. Holy Jesus! It's, it's, it's fucking typing itself. What the fuck? That's enough bad language out of you, Matthew George Butterdish. Betty, mommy! Oh my God! It's—it's it's a fucking ghost. You're dead. How are you typing this? What the fuck is happening? I'm speaking from beyond the grave, young buck. Oh, fuck me, my fucking heart is racing, Jesus. Ah,
9: what did I tell you about cursing? Only rotten little boys curse, and they go where? Where do they go?
0: Oh, they go to Borstal like Brendan Behan.
9: That's right, they go to Borstal like Brendan Behan.
0: I'm so sorry. You raised me, Betty, and I, I didn't even get to say goodbye.
9: Stop that, Matthew, now, would you? I always knew the love you had buried deep for me, and for you I felt the same. And those years weren't easy, but we got through them, me and you.
0: (sighs) The best mother a man could ask for, really. I should have never stopped telling you that.
9: Listen, I can't talk for long, but listen to me now. I'm in Sugarcass Angel Hill, in the sky, and I'm telling you it's time to stop narrating now, Matthew, and become a part of it all.
0: But, Betty, there's so much power in telling a story, I can't give it up. This is my life. I'm an author. Well, you have to give it up, boy. It's time to go and live your life.
9: What was the first rule of gossip I ever told you? Never tell your own story. That's right, because telling your own story is just too hard sometimes. Go and live it, and leave that narration behind you, Matthew. I've got your back, in death as I did. In
0: life. Oh, Betty. How will I ever go on without your incessant little nagging voice nagging me? Everything I am is because of you. Ah, I
9: raised you to be a proper little gassower. I raise you to put the chest out and the two feet forward. Always keep doing that. And you know what? You have to do, don't you? Now. Now I'm dead. It's time for you to tell the secrets
0: I was but, keeping. Are you sure now's the time? There's a memorial for you and the others later on today. I, I I don't want to spoil it. What are you talking about, Matthew?
9: That's the perfect time. Get to that memorial and spill your guts like a dying dog. Think of the dram. Oh, i would be rolling in my grave for this. Well, I, I would if my body hadn't been cremated in the fire.
0: <sighs> I'll do you proud, Mummy.
9: Damn right, you will, boy. Now go on. Give me this dust, old typewriter, and let my ghost fingers get to work. Go on, out. No. Where were we? Ah, yes. Dear diary, God, being dead means I've all the time in the world to write you this story. It's time I told the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. Anyway, before I do that, let's call into my gaze in the coffee shop. See how they're getting on now, as i did his as Ah, the gays. They really just can't let go of their colourful little cafe now, can they? As let it comfort them, I suppose, they're not to blame. Lachlan really hasn't been the shame since his best friend and probable lover Anton died in the great fire of a sugar case angel hill. Why can't gay men just be friends with each other? Donut like rabbits, all they are. Oh, my. sure really looks desperate, like a little mess next to Lachlan in that shop of theirs. Oh, it's... Yes, they're, they're bickering. What's new?
15: Lachlan, it's been a week, and, and I'm not saying that you should be moving on, but but I really don't think Anton would want you to be moping around this empty cafe like a, like a Shih Tzu dog after it's been neutered. Lachlan?
16: Babe... Don't call me that. I'm sorry, but... How I'm would so- you know what Anton was like? You barely knew him. Okay,
15: I barely knew him. We did have what I thought was, was a lovely little bonding session before the fire, actually. But like-
16: then don't go around saying what Anton wants or doesn't want from me because he's not here. And I couldn't even tell what he wanted from me or I from him when he was alive, so stop making up some bullshit narrative! As if Anton was... has ever asked for one sane thing in his entire short fucking life. I'm just trying to help. Well, you're not helping.
15: I don't want to see you suffer like this. He was leaving for Dublin anyway when I saw him here. You, you would have had to learn how to live independently from each other at some point.
16: Are you for real, sirsha Living independently and dying are two very different scenarios, you fucker. For fuck's sake, Lockton.
15: I swear to God that Anton, bless his gay soul, was, was a weird loudmouth who caused you trouble wherever he went. I, I, I don't understand why you're still practically catatonic. You've barely eaten this past week. You didn't even eat my macaroni and cheese, which is, is gorgeous. And, and it's starting to feel like you don't even have feelings for me. <sighs>
16: Do you really think I have the time to think about having feelings for you right now?
15: Oh, well, I think you have feelings, all right. Then why are you... For Anton.
9: <sighs> oh, now that was a low blow, Sierra. Look now, poor Lachlan can barely push a word out of his snotty little mouth. Oh, this is an awkward silence. The silence says a whole lot,
15: Lachlan.
16: I think you should go before I say something that I might regret. And I have to clean up this place for the memorial tonight, so please just get out of my hair for a while, please. You're unbelievable. All right, I'm unbelievable. Sure. Go on then. Yes. I loved him. La 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 la. I loved him. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't fucking realize it until it was too late. Are you happy now? Yes, he was annoying and brash and... God-fucking-stupid, at the best of times, but I loved him. And he loved me. (laughs) He loved me, and he told me, Sersha. He told me in that goddamn burning building, and he said, I love you to my face. To my fucking face. And I just walked away. I stay awake at night, wondering if the reason why he didn't get out of there sooner was because he thought he'd ruined our friendship. (sighs) Fuck. Oh, this hurts so much, I just want to hear his flamboyant voice one more time. Look, look at this!
15: What am I looking at?
16: Oh, just read it.
1: Oh, a letter, a letter, a letter!
17: Hello, Lachlan. If you're reading this, then it means I'm dead. Just kidding, it's hard to kill a bad bitch. If you are reading this, then, well, I've taken the first bus back to Dublin, which is akin to death, really. And public transport is an absolutely disgusting way to travel, but, oh, even the rich must suffer for their sins. And I, I, I thought I'd leave our little pink mini-cooper for you. You, you had better follow me to Dublin, Lachlan. I do not want to face the D4 gays alone. You know they always tempt me with a good time, and then blow me with a bit of cocaine still stuck to their lips. Let me tell you, that is not a good way to get high. Anyways, because it is very probable you may not follow me to the homeland, I'd better tell you that. Oh, Lockton, I can't really put this into words. And I'm always so very good with words, like a thesaurus. I, wait, I think Elvis might have something important to say. Wise men say... Only fools rushin'. But I want help falling in love with you. <laughs> that, that, that's right, Lachlan. I love you. Um, and, well, not in a friendly way, as my man Brenda would say when I fell in love with the boy next door, if you understand what I'm putting out. I, I, I secretly can't stand it when you look at Charche. so. And honestly, I've eaten the bread he makes in the centre, and to be honest, Lachlan, his bread makes you shit yourself. And it's really not a sexy look, shitting yourself. I mean, not the sexiest you've ever looked. Like that time we went to Lanzarote and you wore a jockstrap in the water. Oh, well, I'll, I'll stop myself. This is not an erotic novel. Like those filthy books you read by that author from Sugarcass Angel Hill. Oh, I'm rambling. Oh, Lachlan, however, if you do choose to stay in Sugarcass Angel Hill, I guess I will support you. You and that charche are unfortunately cute. <laughs> Treat him as well as you treated me, Lachlan, and I think you two will get along just fine. I think now of, of, of all that you gave to me. You made a, a sad little gay boy feel true love for the first time ever. And I am sorry in a way you and I never could work it out fully. I think I would have been very happy to be Mr. Syrup for my whole entire life. (laughs) But as Katy Perry says, in another life, I would make you stay. So I don't have to say you were the one who got away. (laughs) Goodbye, my sugary friend. And if this is it, the end of the road for you and me, know that I'm happy and cherish the memory of you and I. Goodbye, Lachlan. All my love, and 20,000 kisses, Anton Blackrock. Christ.
15: I don't know what to say,
4: Oh, Sersha! Oh, darling Nutcruncher! What the fuck? Shorty horsey! Where are you hiding on me, you big,
9: strong elephant? Oh! Oh, Jesus, I'm not doing a good job of this narration, Lark. All this is just very too exciting. So much gossip. Oh, okay. So here is Shorcha's mother, back to drag her son into the safe clutches of presumed heteronormativity. And a right weapon, so she is. Mom? What the f- heck
15: are you are you doing here?
16: This isn't really a good time. No no, this is this is a great time. You can take him home.
4: You haven't been answering your God-given mobile phones, Sir Rider. Mom, I'm 26th. And who would this fine young gentleman be now? God-given calves on you there now. You could ride a horse, no problem.
16: <laughs> <laughs> I'm already riding an absolute fucking horse. I'm just a friend. Fed. He's a friend. We've been- we've been getting... close. Um, You... are making an enemy out of me today.
4: A friend! Oh! Is he the reason you've not been answering your brand new expensive mobile telephone that I bought for you? So I wouldn't lose you like I lost your brother Simote? Yet I feel I've been losing you these past few weeks, Mm. Archie. Ma'am,
15: ma'am, let's just go outside, will we? Let's talk out there, okay?
4: Um, I feel like there's something you're just not telling me, son. And even though I'm a devout Catholic, I don't like dirty little secrets. You, man, waiter boy, what's your name? Lachlan. Now, Lachlan, you're close with my son. What's he been doing? He seems to be, um, and
16: getting me. up to... <laughs> what did you say? Uh, tea. He's literally just been drinking tea and working in Century. Boring. Ouch.
4: Ooh, the Centre! I saw there was a lovely lady, um, Summer or something, that worked in the Centre too. Are ye close? Are ye? Are ye, um, are ye, you know, screwing? Piping? Ma'am, old I, one I'm too? not... <laughs> Come on now, it's it's okay. My first boyfriend was from a centre. Don't be embarrassed.
15: Um, It's not like that (laughs) or anything.
4: Now, now, Saoirse, you'd better be telling me that you're seeing that lovely lady. You you can't have moved all this way to still be single.
15: Ma'am, the farm is only down the road, like and
4: Far enough away, Saoirse, for a mother to get a cold at night with her son living in a den of sin. Honestly, I should have homeschooled you and kept you close to mummy. that you'd know how to go out and find a woman and suckle at the teeth of her homeliness.
16: <laughs> yeah, Sirsha. You, you still can't be single, right? Surely there's someone you're seeing. I... I no. No, there's not. I'm still
15: single.
4: Sirsha what a disappointment. I'm not getting the younger pet. I'd like a grandkiddy soon, please. Well, oh,
16: disappointment is right. I think it's time for you both to leave. Just, just go now, Lachlan. Please, no, yeah, hang on, Mum.
15: Lachlan, uh, how, how about we um, how about we catch up tonight and uh, <clears throat> play FIFA?
16: <laughs> FIFA. Do you know who wouldn't have lied about me? Because I do, and he's dead. So get out. Loughlin.
9: Now! Oh, Jesus, this really does bring me back to the dram of my time in the Gardy. The constant interruptions. People showing up out of the blue. The tear. With that, Saoirse left his mother, with his mother in hand, unsure of whether he'd speak to Lachlan again. The pair were truly cracking at the seams. Lachlan slumped forlornly in the closest booth and began to let out big, harsh sobs. Ones he probably should have cried out a week ago, God bless him. And upon hearing the ruckus, Breda, who spends most of her days now hiding in the back of the cafe, came running out with a black tea in her hand. Lachlan, here, drink this. I- it's hot, be careful.
1: Lachlan, listen to me. I think we need to find Betty's diary before too much time passes and, and they stop caring about, about my mum and her story. If the meaning is around for the fire, then maybe we can get some good coverage of my missing brother, right?
9: Right? Oh, my diary. <laughs> Clever, Breda. I taught you, Elgar. Well,
16: Breda.
3: We need Thanks. to find it now. Like,
1: sure, if we can run over to Betty's place and just tear it apart, we're bound to find it. She knew where my brother was. It's got to be in there.
9: Cheeky.
16: Breeda, just no, stop.
9: No, no, I have to find it, Lachlan. I have
16: to. Breeda, c- come here. Oh, you've lost your brother and your dad in the same week. Now is not the time. You need to slow down before you get burnt out.
2: I,
3: I, oh, Lachlan. I feel so shit all the time.
1: What do you do when you feel like shit all the time?
16: Well, you, you, let yourself, you let yourself feel shit because only feeling it makes it go away. Come here.
9: Breda, poor waiting was unconsolable through her fresh tears. She slid over to Lachlan's side of the table and she sobbed on his shoulder. The pair sat for a very long time, just holding each other. Their bodies desperately clung to each other in the hope that their situation became fictional. It was a long time before either of them stopped crying. My poor wee babas. I wish I could take all this pain away from you. Anyway, right. To the hospital. God, Miss miss Dish, you better not forget how to tell a story. You only burned down in the fire, Betty. You did not lose a lifelong taste for the gossip in death. No, you did not. So, as I was saying, in the hospital, Diana Mullins sits with Cynthia Stacy Mullins, the town schlag. I know, she's still alive. That bitch. Cynthia, I can't believe you're okay. Well,
14: Di, what you just said very much depends on your definition of OK. If it's an OK that's like, yeah, I'm all right, might see if there's any cock about Inge, then sure, yeah. But if it's like, yeah, I'm OK, never felt better, feel bloody great, love my life, then no, Di, you'd be wrong. Bloody hell, Di, I ache all over. I'm telling you, it's worse than that time I played an elf in a shopping centre and had all 25 of the actors from Santa's Brotto.
18: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's good to see your usual self, anyway. Uh, Listen, they didn't have any chocolates and the flowers were all a bit shite, so I I brought you some grapes. They do that in films when people are in hospital. I don't know why, though. Oh, Diana, you spoil me, you
14: do. (laughs) Tell you what. Leave them by the window. They might ferment. We can have a speakeasy. Give me something to do. I'm going absolutely mental in here. There's no good telly. I think I must have seen every fucking episode of Judge Judy and the Jeremy Carl show keeps giving me flashbacks to my childhood. I can't even wank properly, Di. You know, what with the nurses poking about the place and the old bitch in the bed next to me hacking up her lungs every five fucking minutes. Still... It's better than the alternative, I suppose. Oh, what am I saying? Thank you, Di, for saving my life.
18: Uh, Cynthia, I... I did no such thing. What? I, I didn't get you out. I'm sorry, I should have, but... I was just too distraught. It must have been somebody else. We were sure you were dead. I-, I was walking around like a zombie, trying to think but Oh God, what I tell your parents, That cow of a mother of yours... Oh yeah, what... It parent. wasn't until the next day that we found you in the back garden. Peroxide locks in the grass and jeans covered in bird shite. Oh bloody hell, Dye. those jeans were new and all. The doctor said you'd inhaled a lot of smoke. I, I thought you must have gotten yourselves out and collapsed... You were covered in bruises. Well, a
14: lifetime of sitting near Gertrude sure prepared me for that now, didn't it? And the bruises, well, they were Mad Summer's work, the <laughs> fucking bitch. She clobbed me with your axe.
10: She what?
14: <laughs> the blunt bit, died, but still, all over a little bit of harmless blackmail. <laughs> Money really does do terrible things to people, does <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Madge did this to you? You should have taken her out when you had the chance, Di. I...
10: Why
14: why are you looking at me like that?
18: Cynthia, Madge Summers is dead. Well, fuck me sideways. The souls are dead, too.
14: No! I actually liked them. I didn't... I didn't even think...
18: Did anybody else, um... Uh, Betty, Anton, that bloody Yank Zane. Oh, well, good riddance. Uh, And the Faulkner, lad. Are there any fucking men left in this
14: town? Bloody hell. Just goes to show. Life's too short, ain't it, Di? Hmm. You should get all the dick you can while we're all still on this mortal coil. This what? Oh, I don't know, Mel Gibson said it once in a movie. Mm. I used to fantasise about everyone coming to my funeral and crying, Die, You know, men throwing themselves on top of my coffin, everyone who'd ever bitched about me or my brown roots crying because they'd never get to apologise.
18: Oh, fucking hell, Cynthia, that's dark. Yeah, but... Now it's almost happened for real. And if it
14: weren't for whoever it was that saved me, I wouldn't be here now, fermenting grapes and wondering if Veronica and Archie are ever going to get back together. I'd, I'd be like Zane and Betty and Anton. Hey, Lachlan must be in bits, no? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he, he really is. Still, uh, I guess it didn't work out too badly for you, I suppose. One less vegan queer to worry about, eh, Di?
18: It's it's the vegan bitch, Cynthia. Come on, now. It's, we've been over this.
14: Um, I don't suppose you brought any of my stuff, did ya? My cocoa brown, my nice push-up bra. I've got my eye on one of the doctors here, 53, divorced, well fit, and I'm hardly going to lie, his fire in this bloody hospital gown. Too soon, Cynthia, too fucking soon. Oh, sorry, um, so... Anyway, uh, what are you going to do
18: now, Diana? Uh, Well, uh, I've been thinking. You see, the pub meant everything to me. It was my pride and joy. It was the love of my life. (laughs) Uh, My whole identity was built into those bricks and mortar, and it's all gone now. It's made me question everything. It's made me question those fucking vegans across the street. It's made me realise that I can't hide from the truth any longer. Oh. Deep, deep breath, Diana. Right, here goes. I'm a lesbian, Cynthia. <laughs> I like women. Bloody
14: hell, Diana. Did you think I didn't already know? <laughs> what? I've been living in your house for donkey's years. Your bookshelf is full of Sarah Wartle's novels and you're always glued to Gentleman Jack. I just thought you weren't making a thing of it because you were, you know, too old for all of the sex stuff that, well, you know, you you were as dry as a camel snatch. <laughs> you should have said something sooner. You know
18: I'm open-minded and old oh, But you see, Cynthia, you're from Essex. It's so cosmopolitan. It's not like here. Small rural Irish towns full of Catholics and culties. It's not the most welcoming environment for people like me. Just look at the hassle those poor coffee nut lads get. Well, says you, campaigning to shut them down. How many times do I have to tell you, Cynthia, I shut them down because they're vegans? It's the vegan this that I disagree with.
14: Funny that, what with you being a lesbian. But didn't you also threaten to out that guy?
18: Look, I've done a lot of things that I'm not proud of. I know I could have been a better gay. And I can't help but sort of regret that now. But I'm going to try and do the right thing from now on. Turn myself around. Yeah.
14: What is it? Oh, yeah. Traumatic events can have a profound effect on your outlook, attitudes and behaviours. Well, that's what Dr Phil says anyway. Listen, though, Diet, um, I just need one last thing. I need you to be a bit of a stone-cold bitch. Why? Diana, come on, don't be thick. Madge Summers tried to kill me. I'd be dead if it wasn't for that stranger who left me by the bins, whoever they are.
18: I I don't understand. Do you want me to help you find them? No.
14: I want revenge. (gasps) Revenge? For what Madge Summers did to me, she and that yickety-yank are dead. But Podrig isn't. Once I'm out of this hospital bed, I'm not going to rest until I've shown him what happens when you mess with Cynthia Stacy Mullins, the slug of sugar-kiss Angel Hill!
9: But over in the land, rest, the poor wee wasn't doing so well. The man was so broken, he actually put milk in his green tea and sugar. Uh, I think I might gag. Sipping on his sweet milky grass brew, praying it would offer some sort of comfort, he stared melancholically at the dryer in front of him. He remembered when they first bought that dryer. Back when Madge first set up the laundrette. She sat up on that machine proudly and he kissed her. They were so hopeful then. He also remembered making passionate, tender love to Zayn, bent right over that same dryer. So
12: many memories. Didn't know how to cope. Oh, my precious moonbeam. Oh, sweet Yankee Candle.
9: It was in this sorry state that my friend Gertie, the empathetic old broad,
13: strolled into suds galore. God, I'll miss that mad bitch. Go on, Gerty. Jesus, you look sadder than Napoleon the night I told him of my affair with Elvis Presley.
12: Oh, Gertrude, I'm afraid I'm not emotionally strong enough to clean any soiled nicky knacks today.
13: Uh, well, I can see that, young man. That's exactly why I'm here. Take a drag on my vape there. A bit of nicotine cleared the system.
12: <coughs> <coughs> Holy Aphrodite! Gertrude, what's in this? Um, uh, a strawberry. Oh, Jesus, I feel a bit light, You see, lad,
13: I know exactly how you feel. I once had a husband and a lesbian lover, much like yourself. Oh, the riding I did it was electric. Then, just like that, they died. Och, the Great Famine was a terrible time,
12: kid. Kid? Oh, my poor Zane! He always called me kid. He was seven years younger than me, and I'm never going to see that documentary of his. He told me he was going to be the next Michael Moore. Yes, but my point is,
13: you have to get on that coffin ship and take control of your life. You just can't starve with the rest of them.
12: But they were my world. The sky is empty, my stars have left me, the night is dark and I'm completely alone. That's
13: where you're wrong, Moonboy. You're not alone. You have me. And together, we're going to get you back on your feet and we'll run this soapy wonderland like it's 2007. And we're my good friend and Uncle Steve Jobs. Oh, Gertrude, you are far too kind. Why are you helping me? Because you eh, now remind me a little of my fifth husband, Carrie Grant. Oh I, I I don't know what to say. You don't need to say anything. You just smoke a little bit more of my meth there and let me have to go with the shop now.
12: Did you just say meth? Huh?
13: Oh, oh of course not. That's my vape. I got it as a present from Peg Sires when she was leaving the Blasket Islands. Go on. Take a nice puff there.
12: That's a a good... (laughs) Gertrude, Zane's apartment is empty. What? I went. I went to cry into a pair of his striped American pyjamas, but it was empty. Like, he never even was there. Not even his movie, which I know he made. Where did it all go? Oh, no.
13: That's a little wrinkle. Hmm... Maybe, maybe Doug Marshall took it. You know, that goat of a man is like no time after someone's dead and he's clearing out the house. Sure, that teacher had barely exploded by the time the Faulkners were moving in. Go on, don't worry about it now, Pork. Get away whiff of that now and let yourself real free. Mm-hmm. But then stuff and... Uh, and then... Uh, uh, just rest now, rest now. Puff, puff at rest. Puff Puff addressed is that's a coric uh. <sighs> Gertrude, you, your filthy little filly giving him drugs
9: You're a bad influence. You know what? I will never understand Gertrude Petunia McWaldorf. Then again, maybe that's how she likes it. Ha huh. Meanwhile, the mood was bleak at Fiona Marshall's house, where Doug Marshall and his son Francis were celebrating their aunt's life by clearing out her medieval weapons collection. Doug? a strange man at the best times had been overcome by grief in the days following his end's untimely past. this grief in turn had made him strange or still his mourning had manifested itself in the delivery of Shakespearean soliloquies don't ask seriously don't ask I know they say that grief comes in stages but I'm just not sure which one this is
8: oh oh Oh, merciless gods. Oh, cruel world. Why? Why wouldst thou tear away the soul of such a good woman? Had she not lived a good life, was she not pure of heart? Why? <laughs> oh,
19: what have you found this time, Daddy?
8: Oh, it's, it's Auntie Fiona's dagger collection. It's in such pristine condition, even after all these years. Oh, Franny, I remember she used to chase us round the house with these beautiful spears, threatening to carve patterns into our flesh. <laughs> oh, it was so full of zest and jest, even back then. Oh, yeah upset what is it now her her bloodogens she'd been building her bloodogen collection since 1963 look son aren't they beautiful see the dried blood the dents from her assaults over the years isn't it striking
19: Uh, yes daddy the the bloodogens are lovely but, but I got my passion for collector's
8: items from her I would watch her over the years, accumulating the finest additions for her precious assemblage, and I just knew that it was a life meant for me too. She... she gave me my first piggy. I called him. That
19: Daddy, I... Uh,
8: that cracks a noble heart. Good night, sweet princess. And flights of piglets sing thee to thy rest.
19: Maybe it's too soon to be going through her things. She was too good for this world. She chased you with knives and
8: bludgeons. Uh, She was a quirky woman, Francis. It was part of her charm. She
4: was a maniac.
8: She was family. She loved us and she loved you.
19: She used to place you in her catapult when you were a baby. But I barely knew her. She was a hermit, Daddy. I don't even remember the last time I was in this house. Can we please talk about the matter at hand? And what
8: matter would that be? What could be more important than mourning a woman like Auntie Fionnaya?
19: Scorning a woman like Mammy. This isn't a conversation for right now,
8: son. You know what they say. Hell hath no fury like a woman
19: scorned. When then? When she's bled us dry? When she's taken us for all we have? She's still your mother, Francis. She's never acted like it. Son, this is family we're talking about here. Daddy, I'm going out on my own. uh,
8: I'm not sure that's the best idea.
19: Mammy is going to sell us down the feckin' river if we don't act now. This was my business, my livelihood. I know drugs better than anyone. And she can never take that away from you, son. I just... Well, uh, uh,
8: I don't know about going behind her back like this. I'm sure she wouldn't approve.
19: Well, what does she approve of? All my life, I've vied for her affection. And all my life, she's been knocking me, telling me I'm not good enough, telling me I'll never amount to anything. My
8: come on now, son.
19: That's not true. She's the same with you. She's never respected you. She's never respected any of us. She treats us like mules. Ah,
8: but enough of this drug lingo, son. You know I don't understand it. I'm only on season one of that, uh that Narcus.
19: Alright, uh, she treats us like uh, fools. And I've had enough. Don't you feel it, Daddy? Things have changed around here. Something is rotten in Sugar Kiss Angel Hill. The wrong forces are at work here and it's time we set things right. I know you feel it too. I, uh, I, I don't know what you mean. I hear you squeal in your sleep. I know you dream about the piggies. Don't. Their blood is on her hands.
2: Oh,
8: oh. oh. cruel fate. Why wouldst thou tear them away from me? They were so innocent, so pure.
19: <laughs> A pig. A pig. My Kingdom for a pig. Avenge oh. them, Daddy. If you don't, this won't be the last time we see blood. How? How can we
8: stop this madness? How can we stop her?
19: It'll be no small feat. I'm not talking about just taking the business and leaving her high and dry. We can't just sweep the rug from out under her. She's a schemer and a good one. And she'll fight back twice as hard if she gets the chance. We have to make sure that she can never interfere with this business again. How? Her power lies in her influence over this town. If we take that from her, then she has nothing. You won't go down without a fight, son.
8: There's a fury in that woman. I saw something in her eyes when she smashed
19: my... And she's a dangerous woman! Oh, you! Just leave it with me, Daddy. I have a plan. I've done a deal with the devil. A salt-spit devil. It's about damn time we put this filthy town back from the brink. I don't know where it all went wrong. Maybe when things got a little weird when that nuclear power plant opened up in the field above us. Or when the mayor started practising witchcraft, I don't know, or when that third-class teacher blew up like a, a problematic tweet.
10: Remember that, fun. That was
8: wild!
19: <laughs> what? Who goes there? Reveal yourself!
9: You did it, Oisin. Now, Doug and Francis had been so busy mourning and scheming that they hadn't noticed the twin-shaped lump that protruded from Fiona Marshall's disgusting drapes. Oisin and Fionn Carol had sought refuge in the house after the fire, but the jig was up, and Doug, drunk on the grief, quickly reached for a spear from Fiona's collection and pointed it towards the intruders with the intention to strike. Oh no, a rat! Doug charged forward, getting dangerously close to his target before Francis dove on his father, knocking the spear from his hands as the boys threw back the curtain and revealed themselves. Relax, Daddy. Oh, it's just the breaths from up the road.
13: M- Mister, we didn't mean to scare you.
10: We weren't spoiling or nothing. We just slept here last night. We didn't have any place else to go.
8: So oh, you snake into the house of a dead woman. Hide amongst her things. What did you think? That you could live off her estate like laces, mocking the meat you fade off.
4: It's not like that. Fiona was like a man
13: to us.
10: Yeah, mister. We heard what you said and we miss her too. We miss her so much we don't know what to do with ourselves.
13: She took better care of us than
8: anyone in the world.
10: She combed our hair.
8: She sang us to sleep.
10: She scratched behind our ears and...
8: I don't want to hear any more of your stale complaints. This is a total invasion of privacy. In the immortal words of Georgia, get out right now. Mister, please, this is her home. Uh, Not anymore, no, if you don't mind. Her family, her real family,
9: are in mourning. Doug would never know that, that the boys were mourning Fiona more than anyone. He would never understand the depth of their pain. He grabbed the boys by force, lifting them by their scruffs and dragged them to the house, weaving around storage boxes and strewn ammunition until he reached the front porch. He ignored their whimpers and pleas for mercy, throwing the shivering twins out the door without a second look. Something had changed in him. I can't put my finger on it, but he was hardened. Crueler. Doug Marshall may have survived the fire but a part of him had been lost in the flames. A part he may never get back. Jeez, Dad! That was harsh, Daddy.
19: I didn't know you had it in you. Neither did I, son. For the first
8: time in my life, I feel powerful. I've had enough indecision and cowardice to last me a lifetime. I'm ready for action. No more mousy Doug Marshall.
19: Do you think they heard
8: everything we spoke about? Do do you think they'll tell? Not if they know what's good for them. Oh, gods, come on now and stand up for us marshals. If you hear me, Auntie Fiona and Uncle Bernard, please, help us take back this town from my sexy, rotten, dirty, sexy wife.
9: Outside the house that the boys had hoped would be their forever homes, they sat,
13: wondering...
10: What do we do now, Fionn? There's nowhere else to go. There's
13: plenty of places, Rushing, just not here.
10: Are you really ready to leave everything behind? Sugar Kiss Angel Hill is our home.
13: Well, it doesn't have to be. You remember what Karl Marx always said?
10: Yeah. Home is where the heart is.
13: Exactly. Let's go, little bro. You and me now.
10: You and me. Oh, Fionn, I'm cold and I'm scared.
13: I've got you, Oisín. Nothing to be scared of anymore. Alright? That's what Fionn would want. Us being brave and all.
10: Yeah. I love you, Fionn.
13: Don't be getting sentimental on me, Oisín.
9: I'm not. I'm just telling the truth, like.
13: I love you too. Now come on, time to go find a new home.
9: That night the town gathered to mourn those of us who had perished. Ah, it's lovely to see them all together, even under these less agreeable of circumstances. The Coffee Nut Café, that's where they all were. To remember me, and to remember Fiona, Bernard, Anton, Shamy, Zane Ford, that dishy American book, oh, and sweet Madge Summers. Everybody came together. Cynthia Mullins was out of hospital, her face swaddled in the bandages with her only bloodshot blue eyes staring out like a mummy woken up from a long snooze. Diana sat at the coffee bar, a pink lemonade in hand. Gertrude, my old pal, had her silver hair done up in a turban, her wrinkled hands clutching her speech to honour the dead. Lachlan, Breda, Doug, Winter, Sersha, Mrs Ryder, stone-cold bitch that she is, Francis, Emily, Peggy, Lorraine, Páric, my town, my Sugarcase Angel Hill. All here to say goodbye. I wonder if they're still hungry for the truth though. It's a slippery concept at the best of times, especially in Ireland where the Catholic Church beat the truth out of us and made invertebrate liars out of us all. But now it's my time to tell my story. So please listen in and don't interrupt. Matthew came late to my dear husband Eddie and I. But he was the most gorgeous little boy. Obviously a little bisexual from day one, God bless him. But once I tried to get Eddie to breastfeed him and I thought, God bless us, there's a wee bisexual if ever I saw one. But we raised him the best we could and it was a chance for me to make up for the mistakes of my past. To make up for the fact that I accidentally killed my first boy. And Matthew was golden with those green eyes that pierced your soul. And he looked to the town, and the town looked to him. He was my success story. My legacy. My boy. Lachlan?
16: Another cappuccino with chocolate shavings, is it, Diana? Uh,
9: No,
18: I, I want a word with you.
16: Why? I don't think we have anything to say to one another.
18: Listen to me. I spoke to the poor Bea today and revoked my petition. Peggy vouched for you, too. You can reopen the coffee shop.
16: What? Diana, are you serious? I can't do this on my own. You're a bit late.
18: Loughlin, I treated you and that Anton badly. I was a bad bitch and I should rot in hell for it. You too should have let me burn down with my pub. God knows I fucking deserved it. Diana! Just... I know a thing or two about running a beverage business. I'd be honoured to clean tables for you, uh, make some coffees, or even bake a wee brownie every once in a while. I want to help. Why? Anton was right. I'm one of you.
16: Oh. Oh. That's no surprise, Hannah. You wear juicy couture tracksuits with leopard print spots on them.
18: Don't. I'm only coming to terms with myself. The fire, it made me wake up to who I am. Oh,
16: God. I wish that worked for everyone.
18: Saoirse? He'll do it in his own time. Trust me. I'm 53 and only coming out now.
16: (laughs) You're like Diana Ross, you. Coming out and wanting the world to know.
18: Well, keep it quiet for now. I don't want the the world to know just ourselves.
16: Well, your not-so-secret secret is safe with me, I guess. I'll see you back here on Monday, then. And Diana, please, please, for God's sake, no leopard print.
18: But I saw that queer Anton wear leopard print in here before.
16: Oh, but you're not Anton, Princess. Ha, no one
12: is. Oh, match, Oh, my sweet Maddie Porig? Winter, I'm sorry. Uh, I, uh, don't look at me. Don't look at me. I'm, I'm disgusting.
11: It's okay to be upset, Porig. Venus is in retrograde. A- after all, and, and you, you did just lose your wife and your lover in one go. How,
12: how did you know about same?
11: Well, now, I did see him grasp your very firm buttocks one day when you walked past the centra, and you giggled like a little schoolgirl, and I thought, ah, it's nice to see poor Egg happy.
12: You know, Gertrude, she's helping me with the laundrette. I, I think I'm going to make a go of it, Winter. Try and run suds galore without Maddie Pie and Zany Boy Pooh. Gertrude, will help. I suppose I'll have to stop her smoking inside the laundrette, won't I?
13: Good luck with that. (laughs) I heard that, Porrick Marshall. It's only a bit for fuck's sake. We all
11: know it's a hookah, Gertrude.
13: Ah, your head's in the clouds, Winter Oakley. Just like my sometime lover, Neil Armstrong. Winter? Jesus, Saoirse, what is it? You look
4: terrible. I've never seen you wear tartan. <laughs> Don't you be saying that to my little horsey shorty now. I picked out his lovely check shirt. He's coming back home to live with Mammy and run the farm, isn't he? Aren't you, shorty? Aren't you now? Aren't you? Mammy. You?
15: Mammy. <laughs> Can I just talk to Winter, please? Just for a minute. Please, mommy.
4: Fine. I know when I'm not wanted. I'm I'm going. I'm going. I promise. But you'll miss me when I'm gone. Sorcery rider, mark me. I'll grab one of those sparkly frappuccinis Then I hope it doesn't burn the mouth off me. <laughs> oh,
15: winter. Lockton kicked me out. Uh, I, I've called him thirteen times and he won't answer. Thirteen. Oh, that's the devil's number.
11: I take it you couldn't tell your mom, Sersha. Oh,
15: I'm a weak, weak man. I'm the I'm the weakest link. I know I am.
11: Anne Robinson, you don't have to tell me. Damn you. Go over there now and talk to him, Sersha. Tell him the truth, that you're frightened but that he makes your life better.
15: I can't. I can't, Winter. My, my legs are like jelly, like like cooked spaghetti.
11: It's time you started doing what you need to do for you, Sasha. Not what other people want. You've been a snivelling git your whole life, looking after everyone else. If that fire taught us anything, if all this senseless death taught us anything, it's that life is for living. And fuck anyone who tries to stop you.
15: Oh, Winter. You make the world so much brighter.
11: Stop that now, Saoirse. You'll make me blush. Did you see? Matthew Butterdish is back.
12: Betty's boy? No. I thought he was a hotshot over in London.
11: He's back. I helped him clean up Betty's cottage earlier. Said he's coming here tonight.
15: Is it he the man who wrote those erotic novels?
11: That's him, Sersha. <laughs> Wait till you see him. He's dreamy, so he is.
15: I couldn't finish the second one, Winter. It was far too horny for me.
11: <laughs> oh, when she tied him up in the paddling pool with the skipping rope and... Oh, I can't even think about
12: it. It's too much.
15: Poor man. No family left in the world now.
12: Oh. Yeah. I know what that feels like. Oh,
9: come here, poor egg pet. You need a wee hug. Bless them chatting about my Matthew. Now, over in the corner there, Lorraine sat with Peggy, Brida and Emily. Breda held her hand tightly. When's this starting? I want to go. Mum, stop that.
10: What good is this? This sitting around and, and celebrating. The world's a mess now. Nothing but shadows everywhere. Everything's gone from us,
6: Mrs
1: Faulkner, I know you're grieving. We all are, but we really must talk about your husband, Seamus. Peggy knows a solicitor. We've rang him and he can go and see him tomorrow.
5: Albert is the best solicitor in Louth. He worked for me and Dougie for years. He, he knows how to rig the system, Laurie. We can get Seamus out. I don't want him out. Let him rot. The man's useless. Mum, shut up, Breda.
10: Shut the fuck up. He's been holding me back for years. And if he started that fire, then let him rot in jail for the rest of his life. Peggy, we need to talk about Francis. Lorraine, you're in no fit state for that.
1: Speak of the devil. Looks like he's coming over here. No, Emily, keep him
3: away. She can't see him now. Honest. Mum, you can't say that about Dad. We have to help him. Let him go, Breda. Let them all just
10: go. What else is there to do? It's done.
5: That's enough, Lorraine. You're scaring the girl. Oh, that's my mobile. It's Albert, the solicitor. He must be on about Seamus. I'll be right back.
9: Peggy answered her phone and strode out of the crowded coffee shop, smiling at Doug, but he couldn't even feckin' look at her. Big guilty face on him. He knew what he had done. Miss Emily Clark intercepted Francis. Francis, now's not the best time to talk to your mother.
19: Oh, Emily, actually, I was wanting to speak to you.
1: Me? What for, Francis?
19: Retribution is coming, Emily. My mammy is about to fall off her throne, and I need to know what you know. They're coming for her. Everything was found in the pub, you know, the drugs. And they know it was Peggy who hid it there. My mammy is finished, Emily. Tell me what you know. About what, Francis?
1: This is getting very edible now.
19: The exploding teacher! I know you know something. I always see you and my mammy whispering in the B and B. And if you don't tell me, I'm going straight to the to the to the Gardaí. War is coming, to sugar kiss angel. Hill and you don't want to be on the losing team. Francis, this is fucked up. I can't lose my job. Oh, this has been an awful few weeks.
1: me. What would you do?
19: No point looking to a dead man, Emily. What happened? Tell me now, quick. Okay. Okay. The exploding teacher was
1: undercover. A drug mule for your mum. She repaid him with dodgy drugs and porcelain piggies. He'd test the drugs for her and she'd pay him big money. He was a telly bingo addict, always in the centre of buying. So she'd pay him handsomely for it, but that new black tar was bad. And he, he blew up, Mr. Screecher, he blew up when he took it. Worst part is I knew all about it. I'd see him and your man exchanging and I kept quiet for her. She kept me rent free like, oh, I beg you. I'm so sorry.
19: Oh, I I suspected as much. Thank you, Emily. That's exactly what I needed to know. Oh, Mammy, you're finished. Time to call in the
9: devils. Oh, the truth is making its way out now. Ah, yes, Gertrude was about to make her speech. All those years ago, 26 to be exact, there was a knock on my door. Gertrude, late at night, coming to visit. But this time she had a package, and you'll never guess what was inside.
13: Gods above, but I thought I'd never see the day I'd be speechifying about the deaths of our loved ones. Never again, I said, after that little revolution that took the lives of my darling mother, Marie Antoinette, and many of her closest friends. Never again, yet here we are. What happened last week was a tragedy beyond all others, and I'm, well... Let's say I've lived many a year, I've seen many a tragedy. I should have died a long time ago with my dear lover, oh Jack, when our ship hit that iceberg. But here I am, and to see our town lose our bravest and our brightest is truly shocking. This town will never be the same again. Inside the box
9: was a little baby. The most beautiful green eyes. I didn't ask any questions, there was no point. Because that baby boy was a miracle. And
13: Eddie and I, I knew that we'd love him forever. I've seen this town go from strength to strength. I've seen the bad times and the good. I've seen Prohibition and a family of Mansons and triple denim. But I've also seen the invention of the movie camera, the fall of the dreadful graffiti wall and RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, this is bad. We are all mourning and we're grieving, but we can't give in to it. We must honour the dead and the damned and celebrate their memory.
9: It was only when Lorraine Faulkner appeared in this town with the mystery of a little baby boy that I finally decided to solve my final case. The case of who my son, Matthew Butterdish, was.
13: So I say, like my mentor, Alexander Hamilton, before me, Let's raise a toast. Raise your coffee cup tonight, and here's to them—the dead, the damned, the denizens of Sugar Kiss Angel Hill. Betty, Anton, Shami, Fiona, Bernard, Madge, Zane. Here's to your memory. We will always celebrate the beauty of your lives, and we will glorify in the beauty of your memory. Oh, well, here he is now, walking in the door.
9: Enter Matthew, goddamn butter dish. Stage right. What?
14: Matthew! You, you're back! Oh, who's that stud who just came in? Oh, go on, someone lift my bandages a bit so I can see him. Oh, he sure smells good. that die? Betty's boy? Oh, poor thing. I tried to read one of his books, you know, very erotic. My kind of stuff.
0: (laughs) Gertrude! (laughs) You old sport, great to see you.
13: When did you get back and why didn't you come to see me straight away?
0: Uh, I was busy. Betty had left some reading for me to do.
13: Did you? did, Did you read the diaries?
0: You bet I did. I know the truth, Gertrude time to tell, isn't it?
13: No, Matthew. No. Not now. Not now. Do it, Matthew. Let
9: it rip. Secrets don't heal us. They divide us and they fester like an infection. Rip it off. Tell the truth. Please. But wait. The gays have one final thing to say.
15: Lachlan, you listen to me. I need to tell you something. My ma'am, uh, don't look over there at her, she'll see. She just thinks I'm getting a frappuccino with three sugars. I- I-
16: I- you shan- I don't want to hear it. You know the deal, it's near her.
15: But I can't make that choice, Lachlan. But I love you. I love you to the moon and back. I love you to Mars and, and then to Pluto too. And, and I know it's only been a few weeks, but, but, but you've made my life better. For the better please just just give me some time and i i can in time i i can tell her and and, and we can be together uh, like an egg timer <laughs> an egg timer there's no egg timer for us like there was for anton and his mom my mom she she can wait a little longer to find out who i am but i want you by my side holding my hand when i tell her Please, pretty, please, pretty, pretty, please with sprinkles and a cherry on
16: top. Uh, I'm bad with commitment. I'm like every other gay man ever. I don't know how to deal with my feelings or emotions. Oh God, I'm fine. You only fucking live once, huh? Oh, fine. Tomorrow, come to my house and we'll we'll just like have breakfast or something, okay? We can make a decision then. Okay.
15: Okay, brilliant. I'll make pancakes. And I'll make my mum's Mars bar squares too. You'll love them, lot.
16: <laughs> I do, but I'll be getting chubby, Saoirse. You know all the fat stays on my thighs. I love that about you.
15: That's my fourth favourite thing about you,
16: really.
4: Saoirse, <laughs> sure, um, what are you doing talking to that man now? Waiter. Waiter, where's my frappuccino? I Don't want worry, three. Miss.
16: I'll give you all this sh- all the sis we've got.
4: Excuse me, young man. That's Mrs. to you. Even though my dear husband Michael John Paul Francis Caputo the fourth rider, set off his horse and died tragically, God rest his soul. I miss him every day with his ...beady little eyes and his small, fat hands. But I'm still a missus to you now. But but you all wish! The Faulkner Earl
18: is about to make a speech. Poor thing is in no fit state. Oh, God, she's standing on the table. Hurry in! Don't do it now, girl. Sit down, sit down.
9: I'm not finished with my story yet. Well, I'd like to propose a toast. Oh, Oh, no is she drunk? Oh fuck, on coffee. Oh shitting fuck. Just as she hopped up on the table to speak, Peggy came inside, her phone limply in her hand. Whatever the solicitor had to tell her, it certainly wasn't good news. Ma'am, get
1: down!
0: Is... is that... is that Lorraine Faulkner?
5: Yes it is.
0: Oh, green eyes. Is, is Peggy here? Oh. She is good and um, everyone's gathered. <laughs> I guess I've I guess I finally found my swan. Uh, Swans, England.
10: Here's to sugar Kiss Angel Hill, the most disgusting backwater fucking hamlet in Louth. I came here looking for my son, and I've only gone and lost another son, and I've lost a husband too let's be honest, was nothing to me anyway. <clears throat>
4: Jesus, waiter, what do you put in these coffees? That poor woman is locked, so there she is now. I've seen nothing like it now in a long, long time. I don't drink myself, you see. I'm a tea to Don't even take a sherry trifle, sorry, not ha,
16: ha, Has she been drinking?
4: No, Lachlan. I think she's lost her mind. Somebody stop her,
10: the poor thing. But here's to fucking you, Betty Marshall. My first love, my first everything. Here's to fucking you. The rain, that's enough.
19: What does she mean, you were her first love? What, what the fuck's going on, Mammy?
10: You took my son from me. You stole him, but you lied and you lied and you lied like you lie about everything, you bitch! Francis, you're my son, not hers or your father's. You're mine. Peggy stole you from me 26 years ago and it's time I took you
3: back.
19: What? Oh, Mammy! Uh, that's not true!
3: Lorraine, get down from there! Francis isn't your son! Doug and I, we... we...
8: We adopted him from London. Uh, Franny, sorry. We never told you because... Well, it never came up.
3: That's not true! We didn't want you to know! What?! Oh, my, Mammy! Daddy! Oh, you should have told me. Why would you not? so Well, fuck no, me. You I...
10: bastards.
3: Francis, it's true. I couldn't have children, so... Lorraine, he's not your son. He is. He is. He has to be. Or else... Or else, what the fuck was this all for?
10: What
5: was it all Lorraine, for?
3: Lorraine, our son died. That's what your mother, Martha, said. That's what she told me. That's why I left all those years ago.
0: No. He didn't die. Martha gave him away put him in her car and took him to Sugarcase Angel Hill and gave him to Gertrude who gave him to Betty who raised him in the best she could. And now he's standing right here.
3: What? Matthew Sinclair?
0: Yeah. It's me. Hi, Mum. And I guess Peggy, I, I guess I'll call you M- Mum then.
9: What? Yeah. No. The truth will set you free. At last, my little boy. I'm so proud of him. But then, the sound of sirens. What? <laughs> my green eyes. Oh, Peggy, it's,
19: it's him. Mammy, don't you go near him. He's not your son.
12: I am. The sirens. The guards are coming down the street.
4: Mm-hmm. Those is the salt-spit devil hill guards. Jesus Christ. In one day, i oh of. Them.
16: Well, what the fuck do we do now?
13: It's true. All of it. We didn't know, Peggy, how you'd fit into all of it until very recently, but yes. Martha Lenihin was an old friend from my Dublin days. I owned the house that she was a lodger in and she came to me with a child and asked for my help. I didn't question it. In those days when someone came to you as a child, you asked no questions.
9: Good old Catholic Ireland. Uh,
0: can we take this elsewhere? I, I think we've got a lot to talk about.
9: Uh, no.
0: No. So, w- w- what?
3: You don't want to know me. <laughs> Mum, it's him. It's really him. It's the reason we came here. Laurie, he's our boy. I always wondered what you looked like, Matthew.
9: Always. Doors of the coffee shop burst open, and in whilst Gar Gallagher and Gar the Sorry
7: to disturb you, folks, but duty calls.
3: Peggy
6: Marshall, what the fuck do you want? You're under arrest for solicitation of bribes, and um, selling, distributing, and possession of illegal substances, and suspected involuntary manslaughter. Did I get all that there right, now, Gallagher? Spot on. What? Oh
14: my and days, Peggy!
3: I think there must be some mistake here. I didn't. I, I no would... mistake,
7: Miss Marshall. Your drugs was in the pub, and we raided your B and B, and we got an anonymous tip off from a sexy wise gentleman about Ted Streeter,
9: the Exploding Teacher. You can't arrest me! I know my rights! Now, at the back of the room, just out of earshot of the guards, Cynthia starts to get angry.
12: Boy! Porridge! Cynthia! God, this is a big drama, isn't it? Mm. Your bandages are looking good. Uh, I I, I like the bedazzle on them. You look look great. Very nice. Uh, you shut your big, fat,
14: star-hugging mouth, you total traitor. Them I should be cuffing you too, you slimy little bastard. You're fucking lucky I'm not reporting you.
12: Hmm? Cynthia? I, I don't know what you're talking about.
10: Oh,
14: yeah, I think you do, podrig. Your slut wife whacked me in the back with an axe. And I imagine given how much you cling to her, you weren't far off. I'm lucky to be alive, you know. Unfortunately for you, <laughs> someone pulled me out of that fire and I'm going to make you pay for what you did. Letting that slag madge handle a weapon unsupervised and leaving me no, to no,
12: die. No, S- Cynthia, no, no, please, please. Honestly, I, I was having a panic attack. I, 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 I didn't know what... What to do? Oh, Cynthia, please
14: forgive me. Oh, oh butter, please. Oh. You two faced toad! You better keep a pretty little eye on your back, Pig Podge, because I'm watching you and I'm telling you I will! I will.
9: Oh, bench. Oh, Back by the guards, Francis, that sneaky, sneaky snake, schnick, sidled up to Peggy and whispered in her ear.
19: You need to know it was me, Mammy. I told them everything. You're finished running this town.
3: Oh, sweet Francis! You silly, silly boy! It was Doug! Doug did it all! Dougie, tell them!
8: Peggy, I'm not taking the fall for you now. I've been meaning to say something. I want a divorce. The piggies were a step too far. I'm my own man, goddammit. And it's time I took over. I've held back behind you for too long. It's time for Douglas Richard Marshall to live his own goddamn life. And live it. He will. Yo, go on, Daddy! Go
10: She's
3: innocent. Mom, you know she isn't. She's a drug dealer, like. Yeah, Miss but- Marshall. Give us your hands. Don't you fucking touch me. I know you're divorcing me, Doug. You rang my fucking solicitor and told him you pork-brained fuck. Well, joke's on you both. After the fire last week, I saw this coming. I could sense it. And that's why I've signed everything over to Lorraine. What? No. Everything's yours, Lorraine. This town is yours. The B&B, the property empire, everything is in your name. Take it. Run with it! Get your hands off me, Lorraine! I'm so, so sorry for everything, Peggy. No, no, Uh, (laughs) Mammy, you can't do this to us. It's ours by divine right. Not anymore, you sniveling fuck! All right, boys, arrest me,
9: Laurie. It's yours. Keep her warm for me. She's gone. They dragged her out of the coffee shop, but god damn her, Peggy kept her head held high. Lorraine stood beside her two children, Matthew and Brida, and stared straight after her first ever love.
13: Mum, what the fuck do we do?
0: Lorraine, are you... Are
13: You You two stick together.
10: Look after one another.
8: Lorraine, you, you can't take our town off us. The B&B is my home. I... I... please, <laughs> Shut your piggy face, Doug. Oh, what do we do, Daddy?
3: What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Emily,
10: stay with Breda. You look after her. Lorraine, what are you doing? Matthew, being my son, it's a curse. Betty was the best mother you'll ever have. You cherish that.
9: Ma'am, you're scaring me. But Lorraine didn't listen. She was too far gone. The darkness inside her head became too much, and so she reached for the only light she could find. She walked out of the coffee shop and swung on her red puffer jacket coat. Matthew and Breda followed her out onto the street and called after her, but she didn't listen. She couldn't. She'd lost too much, and this town had torn her down too many times. She walked down the main street, as the townspeople and what's left of her broken family watched her go, Breda reached for her new brother Matthew's hand and squeezed the hand for dead brother's first and only love, Emily. They watched her mother's slow march out of Sugar Kiss Angel Hill. Lorraine walked past the badger's tooth, black and charged, looked at the facade of the laundrette, and threw her keys onto the doormat of number 17. She thought of Shamie, Seamus. Betty. Peggy. She thought of her mother stealing her own child from her and wondering how her broken heart would ever heal. Breda and Matthew would be better off without her. She thought of everything and nothing and all in between. So she walked and walked and finally she walked out of the town and into the fading light of her failing future.
0: And Sugarcase Angel Hill was brought to you by Dublin University Players and Trinity FM. This radio drama soap opera was written by M. Ormond, Hiram Harrington, Mary Kate Hart, Ross Coleman, Keola Daly, Jessica Timlin, Poussae Tobin, C.N. Smith, Laura Harton, Imo Redpath and Alton Pringle. Sugarcase Angel Hill was edited and produced by Philip Holmes, our theme song was composed by Philly Holmes with a mid-season remix composed by Nisha Cunningham. Our post-show discussion was hosted and moderated by Emily Long and Lisa Nally and the show was brilliantly, subtly and wonderfully acted by Eva Daly as Lorraine Faulkner, Owen Potts as Seamus Faulkner, Lucy Holmes as Breda Faulkner, Luke Dalton as Shamie Faulkner and Mrs Ryder, Hannah Power as Peggy Marshall and Bernard Marshall, Owen Quinn as Doug Marshall, Keen Malin as Frances Marshall, Shifra Pringle as Fiona Marshall, Barry Murphy as Fiona Marshall, excuse me Barry Murphy as Fiona Carroll, Laura Harton as Ushin Carroll, Emer Tyrrell as Miss Emily Clare, Grace McEntee as Diana Mullins, Emma Redpath as Cynthia Stacy Mullins. Cameron Brady as Padraig Marshall, Mae Leahy as Mad Summers, Connor Carp as Zane Ford, Lisa Nally as Garda McGrorty, Emily Long as Garda Gallagher, Richard Neville as Sirsha Ryder, Kezia Keenan O'Shea as Winter Oakley, Emmanuel O'Koye as Lachlan Syrup, Alton Pringle as Anton Blackrock, with Shirka McCungle as Miss Betty Butterdish, Natasha Duffy as Lady Gertrude Petunia McWaldorf and Carol Kelly as the narrator. Thank you for listening.